It is Locked on Jazz for the 21st of December. The Jazz come back on the road trip with a single win over the Detroit Pistons. Lowry marketing the game, the versatility, the jump he's taking, the shooting, the clinic he put on against Detroit. We'll talk about it all. Plus, the game the Jazz needed to win and a look at Detroit's rebuild. And is that actually what we're about to embark upon in the years ahead? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. We are also available on YouTube where you can be a part of the community during the show and interact with everyone, say hello, uh, talk about our various things. Will Lowry Markinen make the All-Star Game is our question for you today. Hope so. Um, And we'll dig into that a little bit. He was certainly terrific. Uh, We could have a little hiccup on the show today. The NBA.com stats page, which I have a bunch of Lowry Markinen stuff I wanted to pull for today's show, is wonky. So we may do it together, um, which means it may or may not work. Um, Or we may uh, just totally have to like fill out of nowhere so we'll see um so this was an interesting one I mean this was a whole this whole trip was super interesting because the Jazz who I think as we talked about the other day are an imperfect team um actually I was on with Scotty G had a great conversation with him and and my my point on that show by the way about our team was one is we we aren't built to win a championship like that wasn't the goal and the intention as the season started In any way, shape, or form. And when you build a championship caliber team, um, or even a team that's supposed to be in the final four of the the West, or you, or final four of the East, what you're really building is a team that's supposed to be able to absorb and handle uh, any type of injury or moment. If something goes down or someone goes down, that you're, you're trying to handle those moments and be able to withstand that injury because you have enough depth, you have enough guys on your team that you can be, you know, can hold yourself as a top four team in the conference to get there in the playoffs. So I've, I've always said, I actually think if you're trying to win, you should be trying to build yourself to be a top four team. And, and we had done that very well um, the last few years. And I, I kind of think that's the standard. I know everybody wants a pure championship, but championships are super hard and t- take a lot of luck. So I always feel like if you're in the top four of your conference, you're in a position, win the first round get to the second. Now you're in a position where hot shooting night or two, sprained ankle on the other side, whatever matchup, whatever it might be, can get you to the next stage. Then you're, you know, you're one step away uh, to the NBA finals. And then, you know, so that's, that's always been the viewpoint of how I think you should be building your team. We, we didn't build our team this year for that. Like that's not Danny and Justin's and Ryan's goal. This is, this is an imperfect roster. And the way I, my analogy I used on, um, the air with Sky G I kind of liked, if I say so myself, which was that you see those birds flying in formation. And when those birds are flying in formation, we're, we're relatively, everyone's in formation, we're pretty good. Like, 
That's a pretty good little run by us is if we have the whole foundation formation. We've got two birds, Mike Conley and Kelly Olenek, that when they drop out of the formation and we get any turbulence or wind, whoa, we're not really capable of being able to handle that wind and keep our aerodynamics. We're all jacked up. So, you know, we're in that formation and we don't have Kelly Olenek for Cleveland and even with that formation against Milwaukee, number one defensive team in the league, they just put their they put their stamp on us and exerted their will, and we couldn't counter it. And then Cleveland, we were just bad. And in Cleveland, we didn't have Kelly Olynyk, and we got the big, huge pressure and win from the number two defense in the NBA and their incredible length. And without Kelly Olynyk, our birds in their formation suddenly got all wonky and out of control. Last night, we were missing a bird in our thing, but there was no wind. So we actually just kind of cruised and sailed pretty easily because Detroit's the 29th ranked defense in the NBA. And our talent level is superior to where they are. And they're they're not very good. Um, they're really lacking a point guard uh, with Cade Cunningham out for the year. And I don't even know if he's that point guard. But um, So I thought it was a really interesting trip because I don't think any of us really think that this roster is built in a way that it can go into Milwaukee and Cleveland, who are the second and third best teams in the NBA right now, or maybe third and fourth best teams in the NBA right now. And and kind of dictate the way the game's going to be played. And then against the number one and two defenses, I, we certainly, I don't think, are either. And then we certainly aren't if our birds are not all in formation. Okay? And frankly, Mike Conley, um, which is a really important bird, probably the key bird at the front of the foundation, is not quite right yet since coming back from the injury. So I would say, like, he's almost got a clipped wing leading that formation right now. So when, the, when it got windy and it got... Windy, funny how I'd mentioned that after being in Milwaukee, Detroit, and Cleveland. Uh, when it gets windy and it got cold and it got a little turbulent, we didn't have it. But when we played Detroit, who's 29th in the league defensively, and I talked to Dwayne Casey after the game, and he was like, we were beep, beep. And I was like, yeah, you weren't great. Um, you know, I think we are okay. Um, and they're really, you know, quite frankly, uh, Detroit and San Antonio defensively are not connected to the rest of the league right now. They're bad. Lowry was amazing. Uh, and it was an interesting thing to watch, and this kind of plays into this. Um, with Lowry last night. So the first thing is with with Lowry is he's just such a cool dude. Like he's got a calmness to him and a commitment. I mean, this is the kid who, when I asked him earlier this year, what who drove you the most? And he said it was him. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old, I, I would go into the gym in Finland. They only had five hours of sunlight a day during the winter. And I would go shoot, you know, 50 elbow jump shots and chart how I did and write down the number and then set a new goal for the next time. So nobody else was driving me or pushing me. It's pretty incredible. Like think if you're a parent and you have a kid like at that age um, to have a kid that's that dedicated and he still is that committed. That's how he's a very serious guy. Um, and it's interesting also talking to him about his, his movies got three brothers. Um, his mom, his dad played for Roy Williams at Kansas and his, his mom was a player on the national team, so they and his brother Arrow, um, his oldest brother, played soccer for Dresden in Germany, Dresden Dynamo, I think, or Dynamo Dresden. And so, I mean, very athletic family. He says super, super tight family. And if you actually look at his career, you know, I think part of what happens, he goes to Arizona for a year. He says that was the toughest year of his life, in that he was leaving Finland, leaving his family, going to Arizona. Nothing against Arizona, just the the move at 17, 18 years old. And then before he ever gets settled, he enters the NBA draft, and then he goes to Chicago, where, 
you know, that's a pretty big city. Uh, Helsinki is too. I don't know if he was from Helsinki. Um, but that's a pretty big, right? That's a big jump. And you go to Chicago and now you're a pro and there's nothing that is settling about being an NBA rookie. I, I know it's cool and it's awesome, uh, but you're the seventh pick of the draft. He is, uh, his high school is in Helsinki, so I do believe the academy. He's from a different spot in. But so he enters into the NBA career at 20 in in Chicago. And then, you know, when you, that's probably, you're not settled, right? You're, that's not a settling um, experience. And, you know, he has Gar, Fred Hoiberg, as his head coach on a not very good team. And then as we've talked about, the second year, they kind of turn the ball over to him. And then frankly, he's got Jim Boylan as a head coach who may go down as one of the least good head coaches the NBA has seen with all the shenanigans were going on. And he gets two years there. And, and you know, if you actually look back at his last year in Chicago, he plays 51 games, but he shoots 48% and 40% from three. And his effective field goal percentage is up at 59%. Like there's real signs that this is happening. And then he goes to Cleveland where they play him out of position as a three. And I thought was a really interesting comment from J.B. Bickerstaff about how they, they put him in really impossible situations, guarding different people. He never complained. He embraced all of it, took all of it in stride. If you actually go back and look at Lowry's second, we all talk about Finland last year in Lowry. But if you actually go back and look at the second half of last year, there's some injuries to Evan Mobley and he gets a larger role. And in the second half of last season, um, he clicks in his, his numbers post all-star break last year, 17 points, six rebounds, 46% from the floor, 38% from the fee- three true shooting percentage of, of 62% and a usage of 21%, which is kind of peaking him back up from a usage standpoint of where he was in that second year. We've talked about a lot on this show where in the second year, Chicago did this weird thing where Chicago gave him a 25% usage rate in his second year, gave him the ball all the time, had him do all this stuff. He played the pick and roll. He played isolation. He did everything at seven feet tall, and he failed at it to some extent. I mean, he struggled at it, and then they never gave him the ball again. Then his usage went right back to 21. Then it went to 20. And then last year, it was down at 19. His usage is back up to 24% right now. Usage is percentage of possessions used by your team, and, and everything is up on him. I mean, everything. It's crazy. Um, his true shooting percentage, which it weighs the amount of times you go to the free throw line and your three-point shooting and your regular shooting. It's the best metric. If you actually look at it in his career, it's 55, 55, 56. Then as I talked about, his last year in Chicago, there's signs. And he goes to 52. His last year in Chicago, by the way, I don't, you know, these are harsh comments that if I saw Jim Boylan and Fred Hoiberg in person, I would probably retract pretty quickly. But like arguably his first his last year in Cleveland is or in Chicago is the first year he ever has a viable NBA head coach in Billy Donovan. Um, arguably, okay? Arguably. Maybe wrong, and Jim and Fred Hoiberg would tell me that that seems unfair. Um, but if you look at his true shooting percentage, which is where I was on that before taking that, you know, maybe unnecessary shot, um, he was 55, 55, 56. He's 62 in his last year in Chicago. He's 62, I just said, in the second half of the season in Cleveland last year's true shooting percentage of 62 is really good. Um, he was, and then now he's at a totally different level. He's at 67%. Like he's at a totally different level. He's taking less threes, going to the free throw line much more. Still taking 44% of his shots at threes. Rebounding rates high. His assist rate is by far his best of his career. 
His block rate is up as high. His turnover rate is too. Who cares? Um, he's just remarkable. And last night, he showed all of that versatility um, that makes that has made him absolutely terrific. So we'll talk a little bit more, um, dig into last night. But I thought the kind of the run that he's had in that and his story is important as we watch him emerge into a star right now. I mean, it's interesting. If you go back and look at some of the advanced metrics last year, he got no good looks in Cleveland. He got an A-minus in LeBron. He got an A-minus in Raptor as an offensive player. Like, there were a lot of signs that this was possible. There's nothing fluky, really, I guess what I'm saying about what's going on with Lowry Mark, and we'll dig into last night to show you. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Intercap Lending. Steve Carter is the one that I, you know, it is just great pleasure for me to be able to refer you to Steve Carter and tell you um, about Steve because the work he puts in and the energy he puts toward our our listeners just fires me up and um, never, ever have had anything. But maybe my favorite is when someone sends me the email and I'm like, I hey, will, you know, it's the most self-serving thing. I'll, I'll connect you with Steve and then I'll put a little line in there that says, hey, keep me in the loop because I know how it's going to go. And so it's so great to have you tell me, uh, oh, it was an amazing experience. I'm like, oh, good. We helped another person. I want to tell you also a little bit about a new program Intercap has. It's called FreeFi. And the program is for anyone that buys a home using Intercap lending from now to March 2023. They'll have the ability to, when the interest rates dip, to take advantage of a refi and they'll waive all the lending fees for that refi. So what that means is Intercap covers all of the costs, processing, underwriting fees. The client still will have to do the escrow and taxes, insurance and title fees. Um, They'll be part of the refi, but there will be no lending fees from Intercap. So what it's really like is you do a refi now and then as the rates drop, You'll have the option down the road to pick them up, and the refi- that is valid till March of 2025. So that gives you over two years to refi for free from Intercap to take advantage of this program. Give Steve Carter a call, 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 1178666 over at Intercap Lending and Steve Carter. Thanks very much for tuning in today. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online nailed it last night. Had the Jazz as a favorite, and then the Jazz blew them out. You always like that. Um, Bet Online, where the game begins. I'm supposed to have a visual on Bet Online. It's not showing up, and I don't know why. Um, Bet Online, for all your news, information, sports, go to Bet Online. Dot net super week of NFL football coming up. You can jump aboard and play. Uh, kicking it off with the Thursday night game of Jacksonville and the Jets, which is a pick'em. NBA action tonight, full docket, fun one. Cavaliers hosting the Bucks. Cavaliers are a two-point favorite in that marquee matchup. <clears throat> Another good one tonight: Portland and Oklahoma City. Portland four-point favorite. Dallas is a three-point favorite in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. Dallas is scuffling, too. That's super interesting. Clippers are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against the Hornets, and the Kings are a six-point favorite against the Lakers. That's all over at betonline.net. So last night, Lowry was just terrific. And if you start to dig into the night, there's two things that jump out to me about it. When I go back to the kind of the night and the difference between Cleveland and Milwaukee, is that Lowry did a good job of hunting shots last night. At the same time, Lowry is not yet that kind of go-to guy who you can go give the ball to, and he is going to guarantee to go get you, you know, 20 shots. 20 shots for him is a lot. 
And and I think he hunted it a little bit. I also think that Detroit didn't do as good a job as taking it away as a good defensive team does with a system. Um, and so there is an element with Lowry. Like I asked the opening question of the Will Hardy press conference yesterday and said, you know, what I understand it's team game and, and you got to figure these things out. But like, how do you have a 22 points in one half and only get two shots in the second? And how do you balance that? Will's first comment was like, you know, our offense was way better in the second half than the first half. So, you know, you always have to be looking at it from a team concept, but we do need to do a better job of recognizing when Lowry's hot. And I think we saw a few moments um, in the game where, like, Will really demonstrably called a play to go get the ball to Lowry marketing. We also saw Lowry hunt some looks. So we saw some step-back threes. We saw some um, just mid-range, isolated, jab-step, jab-step shot. The variety of what he showed early, I think, is what's important. So he opens the game on a driving layup. He misses, actually. He then takes a step-back three. He hits an, misses a three, then he takes another three as a jumper. Then he gets an isolation mid-ranger. He drives and dunks. He then takes a fadeaway two. So his opening of his game is three threes, four twos, a drive, Isolated jump shot, a fadeaway J, a step back, a catch and shoot. There's a there's a multitude of things that he does in the first quarter. So in the first quarter, he takes eight shots. Four of them are threes. He hits three of them. He's on fire. But he also has a driving layup, a fadeaway jumper, a step back J, and a driving dunk. Like you're seeing, and Ron Boone made the point in postcast that, you know, when you have that kind of variety... It's really hard for the defender to know where you're going to go. And even just one or two of these drives makes you stay honest. Now, he opens the third quarter. He's just feeling it, right? He hits a jumper at the 10-12 mark for a three. Hits another one at the 8-11 mark. He makes another one at the 7-24 mark. Like, he's feeling it at this point. He then does drive into a kind of a mid-range fadeaway jumper on his next possession to keep him honest. In the fourth... He does the same thing. He misses a three, hits a three, but then it's a driving layup, then a step-back jump shot, then an isolation jump shot. You just saw great variety from the various things that he did in this game. And so while Lowry is not quite at the point where, like, you can with Kevin Durant, like, Kevin Durant is going to get 20 shots a night every night. Probably more. And it's really interesting. If you listen to our play-by-play, pretty regularly I'll say, like, about the other team, Hey, by the way, this is what you should expect from their their shots. Like, this is, you know, how it works. Like, Ky- you know, if we're playing the Nets, it would be something of a sort of, all right, the Kevin Durant takes 20, Kyrie takes 18, um, Seth Curry gets seven, Joe Harris gets six. Like, that's the way it works. And that is the way it works. On almost every night, those numbers actually come right to fruition. There's just very few nights where that's not the case. You know, Durant played Brooklyn the night before. He had 22 shots. Um Durant has taken, I think, you know, he averages 20 shots a game. He's taken 20 shots in 18 of his 30 games played this year. Like, he gets his 20 shots. He has, that's probably Lowry's next step. I don't know that he has that. Like, Durant has a little bit more wiggle, a little bit more of a handle, but he does have the same seven-foot shooting window that Ron Boone's talking about in postcast. Like, and when you have that seven-foot shooting window, you get shots off. And you can't really stop someone from getting those shots off. And that's 
that's where Lowry last night might be Lowry's next step. And it and the fact is that that next step is happening right now against Detroit, and that's fine. And then can he do it against a team that's a little bit more disciplined? And this is new. Like if you look back at last year in Cleveland, Lowry took 19 shots in a game all year last year, one all year. Um, in early November, he has only seven games all of last year with more than 15 shots. If you go back to 18-19, as we've talked about in his development, once he comes back from the injury to start the year, then he does do this. Like, he takes 20 shots in 10 games. He shoots over 40% in only, like, four of them or something. Like, it was not always pretty. Um, but that's what he did, and then it went away, right? Then it then it went away. Uh, they just didn't mysteriously, Jim Boylan changed strategies or desires. So last night was the fourth time all year that Lowry Markin has taken 20 or more shots. It's the eighth time all year he's taken over 18. Um, there's not a huge correlation. If he takes 18, uh, we're five and three. So there's not a massive correlation between get Lowry more shots and we win. What is interesting, by the way, if you take if he takes 15, and I don't know, this doesn't this seems maybe to be coincidental to me, but if Lowry takes 15 shots this year, we're 13 and four. That feels like it's something. Maybe we're, yeah, 13 and 4. Um, so that feels like it's something if he takes 15 shots. Maybe maybe what really it tells me, more than if Lowry takes 15 shots, we're 13 and 4. In the games where Lowry does takes fewer than 15 shots, we've only won four games all year, is maybe the more telling comment there. Right? In, in the games in which Lowry has taken... 15 or fewer shots. Our only wins are against Portland. Denver, when we won by 21, Clippers, where he went 7 of 11, had 23 points and 11 shot attempts. And then we beat the Clippers again when he only had nine shots. So maybe it's more telling that he has to get these looks. And he's this is his next step. And to Will Hardy's point, it's not that easy. You just are not throwing in the ball at 15 feet and letting him pull the Kevin Durant turnaround jump shot. Or letting Kate, or letting him isolate at twenty-four feet on the right wing, the way you do with Katie. It's not quite Lowry's game. I don't know that, and I don't know that it's in there to be that primary number one score. But he's gonna have, he's gonna develop it for the next. This is the exciting part of the season. For the next forty games, we're gonna see whether he can or not. The funniest part about Lowry last night is I'm in the hallway probably forty-five minutes before tip-off, right by the locker room, and he walks by and lets out the biggest yawn. And I look at him like, wow. And he kind of sheepishly looks at me and says, don't worry, tip-off's in 40 minutes. And I was like, all right, go get your coffee. And we chuckled. And after the game, I was walking out and he's like, see, that yawn was no big deal. I was like, it certainly wasn't. Nice job. Uh, But it kind of tells you a little bit about Lowry. I I said to him also, I was like, well, I just thought it was a sign of meditation and calmness that you just weren't getting the oxygen because you were so calm. And he chuckled a little bit and laughed. Uh, about that. All right, I want to look at Detroit. Um, and we'll take a second about last night's win as well, because that was certainly a needed win and the two areas of focus by Will Hardy um, that he was s- certainly pushing and um, demanding out of his team uh, last night. The show is brought to you in part by our friends over at BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is... You know, kind of one of these things that I, I love in the modern world that we can talk about these things. It kind of goes back to like Malik Beasley's opening press conference where 
Malik just openly came out and talked about the therapy he's going through. It's just great. The world's not like, it's not the easiest thing we're all dealing with. So, um, and there's no user manual for it. So if it's not working for you and um, normal feels like it, you're stuck or it sucks, like that's not great. Uh, so navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure. Career change, new relationship, whatever, becoming a parent, times of years. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of the challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of complex engine you, that you are. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere. 100% online. The world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp, has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed, vetted therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If your things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist at any point. That's pretty cool. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless search for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% on your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Dot com slash locked on NBA. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, grab our good friends over at Locked On Sports today. And always, always game to game on Locked On NBA. I hope you've caught that program. I left last night and wondered whether or not there's that we actually are going to be more like Detroit next year than we are like ourselves. Detroit's 8-25. and 25. Um, I think there's a little frustration there of, of where they are in the process. Uh, they just don't have a point guard. Killian Hayes in his third year is still struggling to read the game and understand it, and he's not a very good shooter. Um, 37% from the field and 32% from three. So he's they probably missed on that pick. Um, if you look at them right now, they're... Cade Cunningham was out for the year, which is really hurting them. Is twenty one, and then Jaden Ivey's twenty, and Sadiq Bay's twenty three, and Isaiah Stewart's twenty one, and Killian Hayes is twenty one, Jalen Duran's nineteen, and Marvin Bagley is twenty three. And then they've got these little veterans spliced in there, and Boyan at thirty three, Alec at thirty one, and Corey Joseph at thirty one that try to make it better. Kevin Knox twenty. They're just so young, and you just can't win that way. Like it's exciting and it's fun for fans because they like young, but you can't. It just doesn't work. And that's where the rebuild gets so hard. And then those guys are all developing at the same time. Like if you go back and look at what happened here is Detroit got kind of stuck. They were 41 and 41. They got swept by the Milwaukee Bucks in the 18-19 season. And they had Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Luke Kennard. And Kennard was 23. And I just don't think they wanted to pay him yet. And Blake was kind of done at, his legs were done at 30, and Drummond didn't really fit, and they, and they had Reggie Jackson. And so 20 games into the nineteen twenty season, they punt. And that turns out to be the COVID year, and they go 20 and 46. And then they win the lottery. And so in 2021, or no, they don't. They actually, they sign Jeremy Grant in the offseason while they start their rebuild. And actually, Blake stays for another 20 games next year. They start the rebuild and they their first set of draft picks is Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bey. So they really are now kind of a year and a half into the rebuild. They go 20 and 52 and then they win the lottery and they get Cade Cunningham. And now, so that's, it's working. Troy Weaver's now in tro- troll of it. And 
you're into the 21-22 season, and they go 23-59, and and then they have a really good draft. I mean, they've done, feelingly, like they've done everything right here. And they end up with Jaden Ivey, the fifth pick of the draft, who could be really good. They trade up to get him, and they trade up to get Jalen Duran, who I think is going to be really, really good as a center. And now they've got these pieces. Now, the first kind of bump in the road is that Cade Cunningham gets hurt. And so they lose a whole year of Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey playing together right now. Sadiq Bey, you have to try to figure out what he fits. They've drafted Isaiah Stewart. Killian Hayes, I think, as I just said, they missed on. You're going to miss. He's the seventh pick of a draft. It's an unfortunate miss, but you're going to miss. Like, it feels to me that they're, and now they're going back for one more lottery. Maybe they're going to get Victor Weminyama, and then they really have this thing. Like, then it's over. But, or, and then Scoot Henderson gets interesting because they kind of have those positions filled with Cade Cunningham and Jay Nivey. The, Detroit, I look at Detroit, and I just, it's an interesting rebuild. Like, everyone talks about everyone else's rebuild. They've done it without the picks. They don't have the cadre of picks that we've taken, or Oklahoma City's taken, or Houston's taken. They also are doing it in kind of a semi-major market that may or may not be able to recruit free agents here. In a year, they're going to have whatever their pick is this year. They're going to have Jaden Ivey. They're going to have Jalen Duran. They're going to have Cade Cunningham. And then, so they have their four main pieces, and then they're going to start, I think they'll be able to start adding free agent money. It's an interesting model. What's interesting to me about it is I just look at where we are, and right now, you know, we're so, like, we're that that bird formation where Mike Conley, who's 35 years old and is not going to be with us for much longer. um, You know, at best he's got a year or two left and Kelly Olenek are so vital to who we are. And then you look at their contracts and, and where they're going to be and who they're going to play for. And, you know, do we, do we move them at some point in time? Because we're in a, um, we're in a long version. And if you suddenly do move Kelly Olenek and you suddenly move, Mike Conley, and you suddenly take three first-round draft picks next year, which would be hard to take all of them, but we have, you know, suddenly you have a roster next year of six guys that are in their first or second year in the NBA. You don't have a natural point guard, and I think we end up, you know, and you could have a really, really good piece of your puzzle, and you have Lowry Markinen as kind of the unique piece here at 24 years old who's bona fide, and you have Walker Kessler as your young developing center. You've got these two great pieces, but I... It gets interesting really fast on whether or not what happens. Like, and this roster next year could, I think, could be very similar to Detroit very quickly, where you're playing five, six, seven young, young, young players along with Lowry as this, and then spicing two or three veterans and see what happens. Um, and you could have, I think we could be there. And then you've really started, then you've started the rebuild with our cadre of picks, and you've probably got, as Detroit is showing, you know, two or three years and a few missed picks and a few great picks. And it, it's interesting to see what they've done and how that's going to play. I, I think they're a... Sometimes I think they're a better model for us to look at than Oklahoma City and Houston. I'm not sure I always buy what... We'll see what happens with Oklahoma City and Houston. They, they certainly have a lot of picks, and it's going to be interesting to see how they play cash in on it. And we are have those picks so that we have that. But there's... Detroit's done this uniquely... In a manner, I mean, New Orleans is our perfect, right? New Orleans traded Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis the same way we traded Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and then they got Zion Williamson. Like, if we can go get the Zion Williamson equivalent, and similar to New Orleans, we got a buttload of talent for our players. Like, we got Lowry Markkinen for Donovan Mitchell, and we got Walker Kessler for... um, for Rudy Gobert right now. So we got these two pieces the way they got Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball 
and Josh Hart and a bunch of interesting pieces, really Brandon Ingram, they got Brandon Ingram, we got Lowry Marketing for Anthony Davis. Like that's that's really the comparison in New Orleans and they got the number one pick. We can go do that this year or next. Then that changes the game for us. That's that's the model. Detroit's interesting because they did it. They're doing it without their guys had run it out. Blake Griffin was had no value. Andre Drummond had no value. They didn't get anything for Luke Kennard. <clears throat> they they really had run it all the way out. And so they're building this up like from bare bones through draft picks with and without a collection of draft picks. So I think they're a really interesting one to watch because if they can pull this off, and obviously they've been fortunate. They got the number one pick in Cade Cunningham, who's now out for the year, so they've been unfortunate. And then I think, you know, I think they did a good job. I think Ivy will be okay. There's some aspects of his game that need to be roughed out, but he's young. And Jalen Duran's real. Like, that's he's going to be good. So, super interesting, I think, to look at these various different models. We've seen a bunch of them recently. We didn't even dig into Cleveland. Cleveland's the other one that's really quite the model. They LeBron goes. Kyrie goes. And, you know, they draft Sexton, which might have been a little bit of a miss. And they get Garland, who seems to be a hit. And Mobley was a massive hit, Hall of Famer. And then they make a great trade to go get Jared Allen. And then they go all in for Donovan. They use their collection of things that they've acquired to go in all in for Donovan. And they give it all up. That's the other. That's another really interesting model. I, you know, I think Detroit, at some point here, needs to go all in for somebody also if they have the opportunity. Um, and it complements where they are. But we'll see. Um, Donovan, you know, they got an MVP candidate. So Cleveland's super interesting because they got an MVP candidate out of it. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you have a good one. We'll talk tomorrow as we get ready for the Washington Wizards, our final game before Christmas. So please come out to the arena, support the group, be there for the holiday festivities. It's all part of Locked on Jazz. Holiday packs available at utahjazz.com.